Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. Today, we are doing a character analysis episode of Toko Fukawa from Trigger Happy Havoc. Just a heads up that this will spoil chapter three of Trigger Happy Havoc, as well as the free time events from Toko Fukawa and Genocide Jack. Awesome. So we hope you guys enjoy. I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. And I'm Caroline. And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One. Two. Welcome to the Don and Rupa podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. So who wants to get us started? Well, I mean, why don't we just talk about, like, our thoughts on Toko, because... We're having a whole episode dedicated to her. We are indeed. I mean, I'll just jump in. <laughs> yeah, you go first. <laughs> Toko is my favorite character in all of Danganronpa. She is the love of my life and my bae. But I would never date her because it would be a mess. But I love her so much. And I'm really excited to talk about her today. <laughs> I was just going to say, also, Maddie and I happen to be in the same place today. So actually, Maddie and I are here in person together. Yes, it's so exciting. And We're physically together. Yeah, Marin is not. Yes. Still in Pittsburgh. Sorry, Marin. Nah. <laughs> um, all right. For Toko, I really like her. Um, when I first met her, I had a very negative first impression. Um, but then I just kind of loved her. And you know that uh, if you've been listening, you know that I love Byakuya Togami. And so whoever is going to end up being his soulmate, I, I've got to jump on the train, you know? I don't know what that means. But anyways, um, <laughs> I love Toko. Um, I think she's great. And I think she has a really strong character arc. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm excited to get into her. I mean, we tried to find people who we could do character analysis of, analyses of, and um, she was really the only person that we all agreed we could come up with enough content beyond the general chapters to do an entire episode about. So she's, she's an interesting gal. Definitely. Absolutely. I, so I did not like Toko when I first played through this game. Actually, like through the end of the game, I was like, nah, Toko is one of my least faves. I think she's obnoxious, but going back and replaying it and just kind of getting a new perspective almost, I, she's, she has grown on me. She's really grown on me. And I think for different reasons now, I really do like her and she probably is one of my faves, especially, um, learning some of the stuff about her through her free time events has absolutely changed my opinion of her as well, because there's some stuff that I learned that I did not know that surprised me a little, but made me feel a lot more compassion for her as a character. And um, as a psych major for me, I mean, I love pretending to like psychoanalyze the characters and whatnot. She was a fascinating one to do, like to have this kind of analysis. She was just, I had a really, really interesting time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doing this character analysis. Do we want to go deeper into the psychoanalysis? Maddie, you could get us uh, started with that. Where I'm trying to decide where I want to start because obviously Toko has dissociative identity disorder. That is canon. She literally just has that. And that is an interesting one 
I mean, to, to look into. Um, but I also, I mean, it's terrible because like coming from a psych perspective, if I were like a clinical psychologist, which I'm not, I absolutely don't have that expertise, but I have some psych background. And if I were like diagnosing her with something, there are so many mental illnesses that she meets all the criteria for like out of the dsm-5 just there are so many yeah i mean it's it's honestly it's like just kind of overwhelming in a way but i i did some research on did and we can talk about that first if we'd like to but i also and this is something i mentioned briefly on another episode of our podcast i would absolutely say that she has erotomania and um yeah, and, and erotomania is just a, a delusional disorder about like thinking people are in love with you. And um, maybe after we talk about DID, I could get into that a little bit more. I think it makes sense to start with DID. But I did a little bit of research on DID. I mean, I, I know some about it already from psych, but um, dissociative identity disorder is a type of dissociative disorder. So there are a few different kinds. Um, and But this specific one is very, very strongly associated with childhood trauma, and they often form in children exposed to long-term physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. And I mean, it's like, that's heartbreaking. That makes me think like, oof, I don't know what Toko has been through. I mean, probably some bad stuff, but it's definitely one that has almost like, it's like 99.9% of the time anyone with DID is going to have usually some kind of past trauma. And, um, dissociative disorders can almost occur as a way of coping with that trauma because dissociation is something that happens when you kind of disconnect from yourself or you disconnect from the real world. And that can be a coping strategy when the real world or your past memories or yourself is just too much to bear. And so you, you defend yourself from that by just disconnecting and uh, having another identity can be a way of kind of escaping the other you that you don't like, or that is associated with the trauma. I actually have a quote from one of Genocide Jack's free time events, um, which if you played through the game and you were like, hey, I couldn't hang out with Genocide Jack, you actually have to finish all of Toko's free time events before you can go hang out with Genocide Jack. So just keep that in mind if you want to replay the game, um, because I did not know that. But um, one thing that Genocide Jack says um, in a free time event is maybe living in a repressed modern society caused an unexpected reaction to bubble up. And maybe that reaction just so happened to be me. And since it was a reaction to that repressed society, my personality became the total opposite of that. The other me is a total downer, right? So that would make me a Genki. And a Genki is a term, it's an anime trope, which is like an energetic, enthusiastic person, sometimes overly sexual, um, which is our gal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, absolutely, Maddie, I agree with that. I mean, I think she literally says exactly what you were saying. Um, I mean, so my um, point about DID is I actually, so... Um, in college, I've had the pleasure, the opportunity to play a character with DID in a play called Psycho Beach Party. Um, it's by Charles Bush. It was written in the 1980s. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like what it was like playing a character of that. And also in the room when we were like editing the script, because this is a comedy from the 1980s, mostly surrounding like the humor of someone having a different personality, which is problematic in a lot of ways. And so we adjusted a lot of the script to um, make it more sensitive. Um, So the first thing that we changed in adjusting the script was um, 
it was never said, she was always called someone with a split personality. It was never called DID. It was never explained like what DID was. Um, and it was always just like, she's a, she has a split personality. Um, and so uh, because of that, we changed every reference to saying split personality to dissociative identity disorder. And we even had a section that we added where a character explains what that is to kind of like, you know, make that okay. And so that way the humor isn't coming from the fact that this girl has a split personality. It's coming from the characters that come out of her split personality because it is a comedy. And so everyone, including the characters without DID are over the top. Um, yeah, just so you guys know the play, just really quick so you have context. It's about um, a girl who wants to be a surfer and she's like, has this dream that she wants to be, you know, like a surfing star and she like gets one of the best surfers in the world to help her out. Um, but at the same time, there have been these murders that have been happening um, that are by a serial killer where people have been like shaved clean and like, and murdered basically on the beach. That's why it's called Psycho Beach Party because it's like a beach movie meets Hitchcock thriller. And you learn that the girl who is the one who wants to be a surfer, who's really cute, is actually the one doing it because she has DID. Um, but in this circumstance, she has five personalities, <laughs> not just one. Um, but it's interesting um, talking about also the parallels between, like, um, her name is Chicklet, Chicklet and, um, and Toko, because um, her serial killer personality actually fits a lot of what Marin was saying. Um, she's sexual her whole thing is that she's a dominatrix. She's like incredibly sexual, lures men in with her like dominating persona. It's very wacky, but um, anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of talking about like historically what's changed since the eighties and how we talk about DID to present day and how we changed a lot of the script and also what has changed since 2010 when Danganronpa was made to now and how we um, change how we talk about it. Like, I know we mentioned this in the um, chapter two episode, but the use of the word schizo yep. to describe uh, toko, which is not a word that is even associated with DID mm -hmm. at all. It's really not. Um, so that is really incorrect that <laughs> they use that term. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And also, should I talk about like as an actor, what it was like? Yeah, go for yeah, it. Go for I it. mean, I'll just mention, so acting process for that. I mean, that was a play where I learned a lot about like, how to change my voice and my body in an instant. And I really had to make every character that Chicklet is, every part of her personality, incredibly clear, both vocally and physically. So like her alter ego, who is the serial killer, Anne Bowman, um, has like a very deep and like luxurious voice. Whereas like Chicklet's up here and she talks like this and she's all hyper and stuff and like talks really fast so like making those changes like really instantaneously but also changing like where your hands are like so for example like chiclet like her hands were always like out and exasperated kind of near her head when she was like emphasizing points whereas ann bowman always kept her hands like touching her body in sort of like a weird like sensual way you know and the speed of how she talked was different and so it's like finding the things that are so different between all the characters is what makes them clear. Yeah, and that relates so much to Toko because we see, like, for the first time after she switches to Genocide Jack, her stutter is gone. Like, just mm -hmm. everything about her is different. I mean, even, and this is anime, you know, suspension of disbelief, her eyes change color. Like, it's, it's literally, <laughs> she is, like, a different person. Um, Genocide Jack, in one of her free time events, actually talks about, um, she says, having a split personality. Um, so that's another example of maybe this game being a little bit, um, you know, 
incorrect wording, but um, she says the human mind itself is basically a split personality, uh, which is really interesting. She kind of goes to say that everyone has DID, because um, she says, why else would headlines be filled with stories of murder, theft, fraud, and all that crap? And it's because, I mean, we like to watch that, you know, that's interesting. And even if it doesn't make us feel good, there's a reason why people keep watching and there's a reason why that sells, you know, it's like the song Dirty Laundry. I don't know if you guys know that song from the 80s, but it's really interesting. It's all about how news shows make money off of people's pain. Um, And there's a reason why they're able to keep doing that. And it's because people subconsciously might enjoy that. I I also want to say like what she brings up about like everyone sort of having like a split personality. I mean, I obviously, none of us here at Ultra Hope Girls have DID, but I mean, it's kind of like Shakespeare's quote where it's all the world's a stage. We wear masks depending on who we're with and who we're talking to. And I think that that, um, again, not DID, but our the very human ability to shift our personality and the way we act based on who we're with is definitely like, it makes DID something that is almost like we kind of understand it in a way. Yeah, it makes it a little more humanized and it's no longer a mental disorder. It's, hey, we all do this. It's just to what extreme? So, I mean, yes, we've said like none of us here, none of us three have DID, but um, as somebody who like me personally, I am someone who has struggled with mental illness of other forms. And so um, I, and, and this, I think just relates back to me learning more about Toka through her free time events. I just started to have so much more empathy for her because I was like, wow, okay. like You know, I can't relate to a lot of what she's been through, but there are parts of it I can relate to, like just the anxiety and the, just all of that is, is something that I can speak to and can say like, damn, it, there are some parts of that that I know how they feel. So, okay, here's the other thing is that the first time I played through this game, I was thinking the whole time, I was like, I think Toko has erotomania. And I did mention this a little bit in a past episode, but for anyone who hasn't heard that or doesn't know, erotomania is, I, I actually, I'll just read a description that's from the Wikipedia page. It's a subtype of delusional disorder. It's a relatively uncommon paranoid condition that is characterized by an individual's delusions of another person being infatuated with them. So it's essentially like the, the mistaken belief that someone else is in love with you and you're obsessed with them too. And you think that they're in love with you as well when they're not. And I mean, we could all obviously have a debate as to Byakuya's feelings for Toko, but just from Toko's perspective, erotomania, I think fits her perfectly. And because something else that I found during my research that I didn't know before, but made me even more certain of my, I guess, diagnosis of her is that the majority of the time, the vast majority of cases of erotomania are young women who are shy, dependent, and sexually inexperienced, who are the, uh, their object of their delusion is typically a male who is unattainable due to high social or financial status. And that's a quote from that Wikipedia page too. And I was like, that's literally Toko and Biaki. That's the whole thing. Like Toko is timid, anxious, like she says she's not experienced. She tells us about that from her free time events, like that her romance stories are all from her imagination. They're not from her personal experience because she doesn't have a lot. And then Byakuya is obviously this, this aloof, rich man who she's just obsessed with. And that almost makes me, it's such, it's such a perfect fit that it almost makes me think 
it is very likely that the creators of Danganronpa knew what Erotomania was and wrote Toko specifically for having that, just because it fits so perfectly. Yeah, I think that it depends, again, on if Byakuya likes her back, because if he loves her, then it's not a delusion of love. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, again, it's like you said, there's a debate there. Um, I will say that, yes, it's like erotomania is these romantic delusions taken to the absolute extreme and um i actually read a story um online of one example of a woman who had it who she would see letters she would be driving down the highway and see letters on license plates and think that it was secret messages to her like from her lover who was a celebrity that she had never met and it's it actually erotomania can be really extreme like that like people see signs in things that aren't there like they will um it could literally be like so extreme that they could see a leaf fall from a tree and and know like that's a sign that my the person I love just sent that sign to me like they just it, you know it's it's very extreme and it's very and yeah and so some of those don't like Toko isn't necessarily like that, but she does have a, a great deal of extreme confirmation bias and looking for reasons why Byakuya might like her. Like when he tells her, you stink, go take a bath. She says, oh my God, he really cares about me, you know? And in any normal situation, anyone would interpret that as an insult. They're like, oh wow. Okay. True. Ouch. But he, I, she interprets that as his love. And so that's I will say, though, in our culture, um, I don't think it's good. I, I will preface with this. But in our culture, we are taught as young girls that when boys are mean to you, they like you. That is a societal norm. And so, like, while it's not okay, and while she takes it to, like, a different level than, you know, what the three of us might have experienced, that is, in a way, I'd say societally taught to think, hey, this guy just insulted me does he like me? Like, mm. it's not healthy, but it's there. Yeah. yeah. I can't but wonder, though, is that the same situation in Japan? I guess I don't know, but... No, but I know what you mean. And I, I want to also, like, comment on that, like, I mean, Byakuya also, like, I know this is a Toko episode, but he isn't the kind of person who would tell everybody if he and Toko were, like, doing anything together or, like, had a relationship right. because he doesn't share that and he doesn't trust anyone. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say, the Jason Wishnov <laughs> confirms that they have had some affairs. So I, I, I mean, like, I don't think, I think Togo definitely, like, I have a quote here from, um, like, when she's talking about, like, her writing. Um, she says, delusions let you fall in love as much as you want, even if you never do in real life. And that is, like, a big part of her, like, she's a romance novelist, but it's all in her head. Everything except Bianca. Um, anyway, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and so, and here's the one place where I start to question myself because I played through her free time events and I wrote down that exact same quote. And I said, huh, I wonder if I might be wrong now about the Erotomania thing. This is the one thing that makes me question that because people with delusions like that insist that they are not delusions. They will never like accept, you cannot convince them with logic that whatever they believe in is not true. It's that it just does not happen. And so, but Togo is showing this kind of self-awareness now that I think someone with those serious delusions wouldn't have. And so hmm. it's, it's tough I for me to say. <laughs> yeah. I, and then that made me start thinking, huh? Like, I, I wonder if that is not 
what she has. Maybe she, or maybe she just knows that they're delusions and she just entertains them anyway. But then again, that makes her not kind of fit that category of having a delusional disorder because she is self-aware of it. Right. I think we also need to consider um, the past events in Toko's life. I think this is a good transition point because Maddie, um, you said that she hasn't had a lot of experience um, with love and with relationships, but I think it's important to consider the experiences that she has had. Um, and not good you, ones. yeah, not good ones. Um, you learn in free time events that she's really had two big kind of events related to love or surrounding the idea of it. Um, so we can start with the first one. Her first love was a boy that she was friends with in elementary school. And when she found out that he was moving away to Shikoku, um, she was like, wow, I'm in love with this kid. So she wrote him a letter and he posted the letter on the bulletin for everyone to read um, as a way to mock her. And Genocide Jack followed the boy to Shikoku and killed him. So that was (gasps) the first Genocide Jack killing. Um, And we know that because in the Genocide Jack free time event, she says, my first love chased him all the way to Shikoku to kill him. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like the origin story of Genocide Jack, I wonder, because you ask Genocide Jack at one point, like, hey, how did you end up with a split personality? And Genocide Mm -hmm. Jack just kind of doesn't, almost gives like a non-answer to that question, just says, oh, it just kind of happened, you know? There doesn't have to be some deep reason. But um, I wonder if that was the origin story, because I think Genocide Jack for Toko just kind of represents her rage, honestly toward boys who have treated her like crap and there's more to her past as well I I think that there are things we cannot talk about that I think caused it um because a lot of the time the the trauma this is what I again learned in my time in my time in Psycho Beach Party is a lot of the time what causes DID is something that happens in childhood it's young um and this is elementary school yes I think it's third grade yeah but I don't think this is what caused that. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that. I think this is one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. That is just, it like built up. I think that Genocide Jack was created before this. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is probably the first time that Genocide Jack lashed out um, in yeah. a very violent way, you know? It is definitely possible that Genocide Jack emerged long before that. But then that was just the tipping point. That was like the first kill. Right. The second event that we learn about um, for Toko in love um, is in eighth grade. Um, A boy from a neighboring class asked her out on a date um, and she spent three days and three nights planning the date um, and decided to go to an action movie and halfway through the date just left. um, And she found out that the boy had only asked her out because he lost a bet to his friend. Um, and yeah, that caused her pretty significant Horrible. emotional trauma. Yeah, um, like that, that's just the humiliation of that is just terrible. Yeah. And I actually, I looked up all of the movies that she recommended because I was like, what kind of stuff is Toko thinking he'd be interested in? <laughs> and it is actually really incredible because I think it kind of touches on Genocide Jack. It kind of it's almost like Genocide Jack picked the movies because there are three movies, uh, Tokyo Drifter, Fighting Elegy, and Branded to Kill, okay? Tokyo Drifter is um, about a hitman who roams around Japan and has to avoid execution. 
um, which is kind of like genocide Jack running from the cops, you know, um, I mean, <laughs> but it quite, I mean, that might be a stretch, but the second movie is fighting elegy. And that is about, um, this is the little synopsis unable to express his feelings or quell his libido due to peer pressure, shyness, and Catholic guilt, Nanbu turns to the only outlet left available to him, crazed, brutal violence. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. And then the third one is Branded to Kill, um, which is about a contract killer who falls in love with a woman named Misako, who recruits him for a seemingly impossible mission. And when the mission fails, um, he becomes hunted by um, the phantom number one killer, whose methods threaten his sanity as much as his life. So it's a play on like how his mental health affects his ability to do his job, which is killing. Um, and yeah, that was crazy to me I like yeah. I was like girl like <laughs> yeah anyways absolutely oh my goodness yeah I think it fighting is like- elegy is probably the biggest shock to me yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I agree with you I think genocide Jack may have picked some of those movies I I wanted to break this might be a good time to raise this point too though the fact that genocide Jack only kills boys that she finds attractive but he never kills, or she, I, I don't really know, um, never kills Togami or Togami. Right. And yeah. so there's a quote from Genocide Jack's free time that says, up until now, whenever I fell for a boy, that boy fell for my scissors. But then she says, this time with Byakuya, it's different. And she says, I would never kill anyone else ever again if it meant that I could be with Byakuya forever. So what, what do we think changed for her? I think it's because the feelings are reciprocated. Because all, yes. the, all these other times are that it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. I think that that is some evidence that he does care for her. Oh, I think, my yeah. heart. Oh. <laughs> I think if you consider the two other experiences in love that we know about, it's her getting rejected or brutally hurt by boys. And Byakuya is real with her from the beginning. You know, whether he likes her or not, he is honest. You know, like he is like, I don't like you. Like, leave me alone. Whereas other boys either faked it so that like they could make fun of her or like i personally do think that he likes her and i think that that has never happened for for someone like toko you know oh wow i am in love with Byakuya. <laughs> i don't it's funny because like i don't ship toko and Byakuya. i've always just thought it was an insanely toxic dynamic and i still think it is but this character analysis is making me wonder because something changed in her with Byakuya that she no longer wants to kill him and that makes me think yeah maybe it is because the feelings are reciprocated doesn't mean it's a healthy relationship doesn't mean I support it but it could mean that Byakuya does have some feelings for her it reminds me a lot of the tv show Dexter um for those of you who don't know Dexter is a show about a sociopath um who kills bad people that is how Like, he knows that he's going to murder, so he makes a point to kill bad people. Um, And it reminds me a little bit of that because it's like a it's basically some a murderer a mass murderer coming to terms with the fact that that she's a murderer and saying like okay i'm only going to use this like like i'm not gonna do this anymore because i recognize it's wrong it's finding a small inlet for someone who has struggled to connect with society um and kind of i don't know yeah there's i just feel like there's a link there between the two yeah i was just gonna say that i think for toko writing is her outlet for um, her to not only escape from reality and like all the horrible things that she's been through and her trauma, but also to kind of 
fill her life with the things that she feels she's missing out on, like romantically, because she's never had positive romantic experiences ever. So she can create them for herself with fiction. All right, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Before we do, we want to let you know that we have started a Patreon. If you are able to uh, give a small donation every month, that helps us to get more episodes, more merch, and all of that good stuff that you love about the Ultra Hope Girls out to you. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter that you can like, follow, and subscribe to. We also have an Amino account where you can find really cool polls and um, fun questions, prompts, things like that, as well as some role plays done by Caroline. So you should absolutely check that out, and we will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. I do want to talk a little bit about um, writing and sort of, I guess, the psychology of writing and creating. Um, This is what I go to school for, you guys, so drink up this knowledge um, because it's free. Um, So um, I'm a creative writing minor and a lot of the things that we talk about in our classes is you don't often want to write about experiences directly that you were part of, but you you should in fact write from feelings that you are familiar with. Um, And so it is very interesting to me that she has really only been heartbroken in love, yet she fantasizes and writes romance. Um, and so I, it makes me wonder, like, one, like, she's very successful, which means her heart is in what she does, like, no matter what. Um, and she knows what love feels like because she's been in love. Like, it says, like, when in third grade, she loved this guy. Um, but she has never known what it's felt like to have that reciprocated. Um, so it's interesting to me that she's the ultimate writing, like, prodigy yet has never experienced in real life love being reciprocated, yet writes about it, I assume. Or we don't actually know. It could be a romance novel, but her novels are about people with one-sided love. Yeah. One thing I really, really wish that we could read So Lingers the Ocean, that is one of my, like, saddest things, is that that book is not in print. Um, (laughs) But there is a quote from in the show Westworld, um, the creator of Westworld, Robert Ford, says, people like to read about the things they want most and experience the least. And that, when I heard that, was shocking to me. And I just think that that is Toko. You know, she doesn't experience true love, true reciprocated love. And so she writes about it because like you, you write what you'd want to read, that you can learn a ton about an author from what they write. Absolutely. That is a perfect quote for Toko. I don't agree with that. I, I think that some writers are like that, but I think most of the ones that find success, and I, I, this is again, like literally all we talk about at art school is like, depending on what art you're doing. So like acting, it would be in a similar vein though, like People who are successful in creating have to stem something from real emotion. Um, And so writing what you want 
is usually not as successful. I mean, I'm, this is a generalization, like whatever you do that makes you successful, like, cool, you're rich. So like, whatever, like who cares if I'm wrong, I'm some person <laughs> on the internet, but like, you know, I, 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 I think that it can be debated that a lot of the time, the things that really do well are when they come from humanity and what you have already sort of experienced. Because when you write about what you want, that is, I guess you could write about like the experience of wanting the thing that you want, because that is like, you know, in itself, a feeling, yeah. I guess. I don't think they're divided. I think you can have both because like, oh, yeah. let's say, I mean, I, I'm not married, but I would love to marry someone in the future. I want that. But like, I can use that want to write a novel about wanting a relationship. If that's my deepest desire and I write about that, I think that's a very valid feeling. Bro, yeah. you're valid. Thanks, bro. You are valid. I have three more things. One of them's really fun. I think we could do that one next. Okay. Is Toko ever Toko on her period? <gasps> I was thinking that about that. It's such a good question. Yep. Because she faints when she sees blood. Yeah. Wow. I, I, <laughs> listeners, let us know what you think. We have really struggled with this one because, oh man, that would be a stressful week. <laughs> I know. It's like a whole different like reality of like a period being hell. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Wow. Crazy. I mean, maybe she has like an IUD or something. Maybe. IUDs for Toko. That's my new <laughs> hashtag. hashtag. IUDs for Toko. <laughs> Save her from having yes. to experience. Tweet it out. That. Get some support behind this movement. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> so one thing I wanted to talk about is the similarities between Hifumi and Toko. And I know all three of us do not like Hifumi. If you listen to our tier list episode, you know (laughs) that we do not like Hifumi. We're not Hifumi stands. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But I was doing research for this episode and I realized that they are very similar people. They are anxiety-driven. They're writers. They overly sexualize things that shouldn't be sexualized. They're obsessed with someone who doesn't care about them, debatably. Uh, um, <laughs> Caroline's like, don't betray me now, man. No, I love it. <laughs> they drool over that person, like physically drool over the person. And we've said before, like, Hifumi's gross. He drools about people. So does Toko. And so I'm wondering why we don't like Hifumi and we like Toko. Hmm. That's a fair point, honestly. Yeah, you bring up a good point. That's a fair point. To all I the think... Hifumi stands out there, this is your moment right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I have never spent free time with Hifumi. Me neither. Because I have no desire to do so. Um, part of it for me, I feel like, stems from the fact that Togo is very, like, they're both a little, like, standoffish, but Togo can be, like, straight up, like, don't bother me. Like, you're, anno- like, you're annoying. Like, stop. Like, she says... <laughs> what we're all thinking, <laughs> you know what I mean, in a way, and, like, Hifumi is kind of an idiot. Toko, I feel like, isn't, she's definitely anxious, yeah, but she's very smart. Mm-hmm. Very. Um, yeah, and I don't think her love for, again, Byakuya is fa- founded in something that doesn't already exist, in my opinion. You know, I know right. we're going to disagree, audience and Maddie, um, <laughs> but I think, like, with um, Hifumi, with, um, oh my gosh, Alter Ego, yeah. Yeah. And also Hifumi with Celeste. That was more who I was considering because I think Celeste and Biakia are very similar um, uh, in a lot too. of ways. And so I think you're right. I think it might be the intelligence levels that really 
pulled us away from Hifumi. But if Hifumi, I mean, Hifumi is not really stupid. He's stupid in all social cues. He is so stupid. But like, he points out like three or four important things throughout the trials that everyone would have died if he hadn't done that. Um, yeah. So I, I really think it's interesting. I hate to admit it, but I think that our hate in Hifumi may be a little strong. He may be C tier, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I think that's really fair. I think, you know, I think what we should do is go through the free time with Hifumi and see if our opinions of him change because that's what happened for me in Toko. I didn't like mm-hmm. Toko until I went through her free times and I was like, okay, I actually, I actually have some kind of connection with this girl and I can, I actually appreciate her a lot more. I hear you. I think in comparing Byakuya and Toko and Celeste and Hifumi, it is clear with Celeste, there is, is more of a servitude of Hifumi's role in her existence where she like asks him for things and he gives her and things and all I have to disagree I mean Toko literally not I don't disagree with what you said about Celeste but I would really argue that it's the same thing with Toko and Byakuya yes she calls him master yes but one she enjoys that I really think (laughs) Hifumi but it's like (laughs) Hifumi like brings like with Byakuya it's like sort of more of a neglect Celeste it's like you know, okay, okay, I'll, like, tease you a little. I'll just, you know, I'll give you a little. But I think to be, to everyone else, Byakuya puts on the face of, like, I hate this girl. She's really <laughs> annoying. And then, um, thank you. Singer first. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> a singer sings. A singer. We all sing. I think we all sing. We all sing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I think with Byakuya, like, okay, sorry. Whew. With Celeste and Hifumi, I think that what we see is what's happening behind the scenes, too. I don't really see anything, like, I don't think there's evidence that proves that anything else is happening. Whereas with Toko and Byakuya, yes, up front, we get the, you know, like, Yeah, I can agree with that. Stop following me. But then it's like, you know, oh, where were you two last night, Byakuya goes, do you even need to ask? And like, you know, Toko is like, or Genocide Jack in that situation was like, I'm wearing red lingerie. So, I mean, you know... Yeah, I'm absolutely playing devil's advocate here, um, trying to give our Hifumi stands a, a second of a little chance, <laughs> a breath of fresh air. <laughs> you can have a little Hifumi as a treat. Just a little Hifumi as a treat. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. My last point um, is that if you get all of Toko's friendship points, including Genocide Jack, you get an award called Strangers in a Brain. And that is a reference to the 1951 psychological thriller Strangers on a Train. Um, And in that movie, it is about a young tennis player and a charming psychopath who both want to get rid of someone in their lives. And they decide on this train that they should exchange murders so that neither gets caught. And the psychopath commits the first murder and the tennis player is like whoa I wasn't being serious and basically gets forced to murder this person for the psychopath is the idea but the entire theme of this movie is good and evil and darkness and light and that they are not mutually exclusive and that to me is Toko I mean you have to consider how much bad has happened in her life to create this and you have to consider that like when I talked to Genocide Jack in her free time events, sometimes she was more cognizant of how bad her actions were than Toko was. Like 
her bad personality is not all bad. And like, I, I just think it's really important to consider that, that, I mean, she is a serial killer and that is evil, but it's not all bad. And just kind of, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the gray area of morality. That's so interesting. I want to go back and watch that movie now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) definitely. We'll watch that right after um, I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. Oh, yes. (laughs) Hit. For all our listeners, um, many of the voice actors in this uh, game were also a part of the hit movie from, I think, 2019 called I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. And um, we're just curious about what that's about. (laughs) We, We don't know. It's and, an anime, right? So we're, yeah, who knows? Jumping in. <laughs> um, I want to also just say, like, really quick, um, so I think, you know, I, we've talked a lot on this podcast, and I have, you know, said and, or implied a couple of times that I have felt very similar to Toko, um, and I think that in a lot of ways, like, I'm fortunate enough to have not experienced, you know, any really big trauma in my life. Um, like she has. And so I think it's like, you know, I mean, I, I am fortunate enough to have like the people in my life that have helped me get through, you know, the anxiety that, and the self-deprecation and like, and depression that I do experience every day that with her is on the outside, but with me is on the inside. This is opening up a lot about my personal child. I don't mind, it's fine. Um, but like, I think that that is why I, I have always sort of felt a kinship with her is because like, she is is me, is me when, when I, like she's me without help and without the friends that I have who've helped me kind of get through everything. Um, oh, yeah. That's really cute. That's all, I just thought we I would, love you, Yeah, I love you guys, you're Aww. great. Love you secretly y'all are idiots and I don't want to talk to you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and her like impatience with people sometimes when she she's she like will snap at them I my brain I need to like I I feel like learning to be sympathetic is something that I (laughs) had to learn (laughs) which just sounds terrible I'm I have feelings I promise anyway (laughs) I know you do and he said, "Do we know?" No, I'm just I said, "I know you do. <laughs> I know I you are a kind Daddy, and good friend." I love you. And Thank you. Friend. Wow, just, right. that's you. all I had. That's all I have too, y'all. I have one last, and I think <gasps> this could be a good closer. Yes, um, Maddie. Nice. We can analyze it as much as we want, or we can just close with it. Mm. But Togo's poem that she writes for Makoto that you learn—I think her very last free time event—you get to she reads her poem for you. And I'm just going to read it out loud real quick for all our listeners here. If you're curious, here is her poem. And this is her poem. She's saying that it reflects her true feelings in this moment. On a locked and rusted door, I dug my nails in and dragged them down. Warm blood mixed with old rust flowing down my wrist, coils like a snake embracing my body. You watch me, a smile in your eyes. You watch. Time runs away and you with it. You leave me drowning in a red sea. Wow. I, I mean, just thought that could be interesting to unpack. How could you not want to read her books after hearing that? I right. mean, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh. Can we write So Langers the Ocean? Yeah. It wouldn't be as good. <laughs> if, Caroline, if Caroline writes I'll it, write it'll it. be awesome. <laughs> I'll read a it. A writer writes. <laughs> a writer writes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> no, I think that you know, it's funny, um, I, this last semester I took a class on Shakespeare, and one of the things we talk about um, with Shakespeare is 
So there's prose and then there's verse for, you know, small Shakespeare lesson. And whenever a character is speaking in prose, it means that there is nothing shielding their true emotions from coming forth. It's kind of like in a musical, when someone sings, it's, it, it's like beyond just regular speaking. It's like every emotion is flowing out of them. And so like this poem for me feels like her one moment of verse throughout all this prose that she Absolutely. speaks throughout the game. You mean that verse is like represents their true emotions and prose yeah. stuff. Okay. But yeah. I have to wonder who the you is in the poem. She says, you smile at me. And I think yeah. I read that and I was like, I don't know who this is. And I think it might be Genocide Jack. I that agree. Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I that's what that. I kind of finished on. And it's like, Toko is drowning in Genocide Jack's pool of blood, but Gen- like Genocide Jack is smiling at her. And it's like a tight snake around her. I don't know. It's just, I just got chills. Oh, yeah. like, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just like such a strange relationship between the two. And I don't know really how Toko feels about Genocide Jack. I mean, it's easy to say that she hates her. You know, it's easy to say that like, oh, she's like a nuisance and she murders people and I would never do that. But at the same time, sometimes Toko is only confident when she's genocide jack and so while it's kind of like what i was saying about strangers on a train there are some good character traits in genocide jack that toko wouldn't have without her you know like that kind of snarky attitude of like hey like i don't want to talk about that go away i don't think that would be there without genocide jack and so it's such a strange relationship it's like a snake that's coiled around her but in a way it's also a little bit like a hug like a safety net and yeah, I just, she's not getting hugs from a lot of people. I no. also want to say, like, um, I did write a, a brief note, and now I want to, like, kind of bring it up. Like, a lot of the time when people fixate or become obsessed with a person, so in this case I'm talking about Biakia, it's to distract themselves from what is really hurting hurting them or, like, causing pain in their, lot, their life. And this, like, it makes me honestly, like, I'm like, girl, go for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> be obsessed with Biakia because honestly, like, that is something that she is constantly burdened with. Like, every second she is burdened with that. And so this fixation of him, it, it's to bear that burden. There is, um, this connects back to the erotomania idea, but there is a theory behind erotomania that suggests the cause of it is because it's a coping strategy for like the pain of rejection and humiliation for someone who has not had positive romantic experiences. So yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Caroline, on that. Well, I mean, a lot like of people, when they're picking what their favorite game is, they talk about how game one has the best characters. And I think that Toko is really the prime example of that. You know, I mean, the ability for us to come up with more than an hour of content, you know, and then, yeah. yeah, and probably we would have much more, but I mean, we're really hitting the main points is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. What a, what an awesome character. Like, just like, I mean, not that she is all good, but that she's just so interesting and so complex. Yeah. And do I get to nominate strangers on a brain for the title? <gasps> yeah, sure. Unless it's a, oh wait, no, it's not copyrighted because the original name is Strangers on a Train. Yeah, That's right. So we can say Strangers on a Break. I love that. Yay! That's yes. so good. All right. All right. So for bed, wed, behead today, we are going to be um, going through Toko, Biakia, and Genocide Jack.
Um, I think I would um, wed Biakia. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, wow. I love him very much. Um, wow. He's really attractive. And I think, honestly, we would thrive. Yeah, Marin's nodding. Yeah, I think we would. <laughs> um, yeah. I would probably bed Genocide Jack. Um, just because I think they would be more interesting of an experience. And also, I tend to be kind of anxious. And if I was with Toko, it, it would be, like, two Tokos trying to, like, do things and be really <laughs> weird. And, and, like, we would never get anywhere. <laughs> so I think I would kill Toko, but, like, I love her. She's still my favorite character. Yeah. I have the same answers as Caroline. Yeah. Bed, Biakia, easy peasy. You all know. There's no surprise there. Um, and then... Um, wait, sorry, wed Byakuya. I misspoke there. Um, bed Genocide Jack and uh, behead Togo. Love really? Togo, but you're right. Genocide Jack would just be an experience. <laughs> I have a slightly different answer. I would wed Byakuya because I love him. Ah, problematic fave, once again, and he's rich, so like that would be nice. Um, I would probably bed Togo and behead Genocide Jack. I just, like, I actually don't want to be head Toko. Like, I just feel like she's been through so much and I just wouldn't want to do that to her. Yeah, I feel like um, I would rather be head Genocide Jack than Toko. I don't particularly want to bed Toko, especially because she maybe doesn't have the best hygiene, but like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, I, yeah. For some reason, I don't think Toko would like me. And I don't know why. I just don't think that she would, like really reach out to me you know i don't know hot take (laughs) genocide jack on the other hand we would be best you guys would like go out to bars every night like (laughs) wild animals you know kill some hot men i'm just kidding my favorite pastime jk unless Thank you so, so much for coming to listen today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode where we went through Toko Fukawa's entire life. We had a great time filming this episode and we can't wait to uh, come back with even more great Ultra Hope Girls content. We just want to let you know that we have a Patreon. If you are able to give us a small monthly contribution, we will be able to get more episodes, more merchandise, more content out to you. Uh, We also have a Facebook page that you can like and a Facebook group that you can join, as well as a Twitter and an Amino, and we cannot wait to hear from you. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, please submit them to anchor.fm, and you may have the chance to be featured in a future episode. That's it from us this week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.